Hey everybody, welcome back to the Stephanie Bree Show. This is a very special bonus mini episode where I'm just going to put down my thoughts on the Ghostbusters Afterlife film. Now, I am going to do a special full-length uh, Ghostbusters episode, dedicated episode. Um, I'm going to try tentatively. I'm going to schedule that for this week. Um, I have three days off this week from work, so I have no excuse. I should be able to record a podcast, and my plan is to do that on either Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll see how it goes. Uh, today, I'm just going to be talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife, and then that uh, this will just be a, a single-topic episode. It'll be short. It's more of a mini-episode. And then that longer episode will be dedicated. It'll be a full episode with all the normal segments, you know, like movies, horror, toys, video games. But it'll be Ghostbusters-centric, so each segment will focus on a different aspect of the Ghostbusters franchise. And, of course, it'll tie back to Ghostbusters Afterlife. Right. Now, today I'm just talking about Afterlife, but I'm also going to sort of wrap it up, tie it in with the rest of the franchise. So, uh, like I said, this is going to be a mini-episode. There are going to be spoilers, but not right now. It's safe to listen to, and I will I will mention this on when I put this out there on uh, Twitter and everything else. This is not, there's no video. So if you're looking for the video, there is no video. This is only, there's nothing, this isn't a Patreon bonus uh, I'm just going to put it out. As soon as I'm done recording, it's going to be live, ready to go. This is just sort of my thoughts and uh, contemplations, I guess, my feelings, things that occurred to me while I was watching the movie, before the movie, after the movie, things and, and, and things I've had time to reflect on uh, in the few days that have passed since I've seen the movie. Um, I will mark the spoiler part where I'll say, okay, from here forward, there will be spoilers, so you can... Listen to the episode safely if you haven't seen the movie yet. Uh, if you have seen the movie, great. Uh, let me know what you think of it, if you agree with my assessments or disagree with my assessments. Maybe you see something differently than I do. But um, I'm going to start off by saying I liked the movie. I had a lot of fun going to the movies. It was the first time I've been to the movies since the end of 2019. I didn't go at all in 2020. And this is the first movie I've been to this year. So it's been a while for me. I wrote an article on my blog, stephaniebree.com, a few days ago, earlier this week, I should say. I think the day of. I went to see this movie on pre-opening night on Wednesday. I went to see it at the pre-show. And um, I haven't seen, I didn't get to see that many movies as a kid. I don't go to the movies that often. Even as an adult, I could sit down and start. I could sit down and list all the movies I've been to in the theater. It might take me a little while longer than I did the ones from my childhood, but that's okay. That's important. The point is I don't go to the movies that often. Part of the reason I don't go to the movies that often is to me I like to savor it. It's an experience. It's a night out. I love movies, and I love watching movies. So let's talk about Ghostbusters. First, if you hear me clicking and clacking, that's because I'm holding my Transformers... Uh, Generations Ghostbusters Ectotron in my hand. This is the toy I'm going to show off. One of the toys I'm going to show off when I do the actual full Ghostbusters episode later in the week. 
But if you hear any clicking, that's what it is. It's me transforming Ectotron or playing with Ectotron. It's sort of a really cool. It's a it's a really cool like replica of the original Ecto One, but it transforms into a uh, War for Cybertron Transformers Generations style uh, transformer. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty neat. I like it. Um, I don't even remember to tell you the truth where I got it. <laughs> Alright, put that aside. Okay, let's talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife. So like I said, the first thing I want to say is I did enjoy it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the movie was a good mix of sci-fi, horror, and comedy, just like the movies that came before it. Uh, it did have some scary moments. It did have some funny moments. It did have some interesting choices in regards to story, plot, special effects, and characters. It had plenty of fan service. It had lots of throwbacks to the um, original movies. It had, I think it took pot shots. It did take pot shots at the 2016 uh, Answer the Call, but that's okay because I think that movie is going to be, it's going to come up uh, in the discussion, but not today other than, you know, some passing references. Uh, for the most part, this movie absolutely stands on the 1984 original more than anything. It doesn't completely ignore the immediate sequel, Ghostbusters 2, but it does mostly rely heavily, 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 heavily on the original. That's where most of the fan service lies. That's a little sort of disheartening to me. But they do sort of explain it away. They make they have a really good explanation for why these kids are discovering Ghostbusters in 2021 when presumably their grandpa is or was a very famous Ghostbuster. Uh, again, I'm not going to talk about the plot at this point. I'm just going to say that's the stuff that's in the trailer. You know, one of the Ghostbusters left their farmhouse to the kids they go there they find his ghostbusting equipment and that's you know where the movie goes from there that's all in the trailer um so i'm going to stick with what's what you see in the trailer and i'm not going to go into the spoiler part yet but i am going to say there were a couple of red herrings in the trailer kudos to the filmmakers for that they didn't give away everything but the trailer wasn't as stealthy as you may have wanted it to be. So if you watch, if you overanalyze the trailer, you're not going to be too far off on how this movie plays out, but I'm not going to go into the specifics just quite yet. So let's talk about the characters uh, before I get into the, 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 the meat and potatoes. Um, I, I'm going to apologize. I don't know their names, so I'm going to identify them based on uh, what they were in the movie. So I'm going to start about. I'm going to start off with the boy, the teenage boy. He is the kid from Stranger Things. He's prominently featured in the trailer, and he is exactly what you expect him to be. He is a teenage boy from the city, living in this little dirt town in the middle of nowhere 
trying to make the most out of it, and he is going absolutely bonkers trying to survive in this little dirt town. Um, he definitely leans heavily on his Stranger Things um, audience. So if you're following this kid from Stranger Things to, to Ghostbusters, you're going to be right at home. You're going to recognize his performance. You're not going to be too out of place. Um, you're already familiar with what to expect. The girl is the breakout star of the show, and I'm not going to go into details right now, but she is the movie. This is definitely her movie. Absolutely, she's the runaway. There's another kid character who is your typical, modern, stereotypical modern, uh, so-called, I'm using air quotes, you can't see it, uh, fame um, influencer chaser, if you will, um, who's out to build a audience online, and their whole purpose in the movie is to provide information to the audience, so they're the one that will, will speak to the audience, breaking the fourth wall, so to speak, ex uh, you know, providing exposition to the us through the kids about why Nobody, no, nobody remembers the Ghostbusters, and he's also the one that helps the girl find her voice. Great character, I love him. He, he is also sort of comic relief, but not really, but we'll talk about that in the spoiler section. Uh, the other child character is the girl, I don't remember if she's in the trailers or not, I think she is. She's the girl that the boy has a crush on and is sort of pursuing throughout the film. So there is a Disney-esque uh, family subplot. I'm going to say that right now. I've already talked about it in the other review I wrote. Not review, but my when I wrote the article on the, the website where I didn't spoil the movie, but I did say, yeah, this definitely has a Disney. It, this feels more like a Disney movie than it does a Ghostbusters movie. And I'm going to say that right up, up front. It does. This feels like a, a post-MCU post-Disney taking over the world movie. This has Disney's thumbprints all over it, even though this is not a Disney movie. So if that appeals to you, great. If that potentially bothers you, let me explain when I get to the spoiler section. For now, I'm just going to say it definitely has that subplot. It's got the boy chasing girl. It's got the mom not wanting to be mom, not knowing how to be a mom. It's got the teenage daughter not knowing how to be a teenage daughter. It's got, you know, brother and sister not knowing how to be brother and sister. Blah, 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 blah. It's got all that Disney stuff you expect from a kid's movie. This is way more of a kid's movie than the original, even though the original absolutely appealed to children and was marketed to children. This movie stars, and I don't want to say empowers children because we don't want to empower kids because kids are kids. They need to be kids, but this movie gives them the childhood fantasy of hey, let's go, let's all go out and be Ghostbusters. So it's definitely fan service and it's definitely uh, wish fulfillment. That's what this movie does a lot of wish fulfillment. The mother character is what you expect from a movie like this. She's broke. 
She's inheriting this dirt farm in the middle of nowhere. And she's got two unruly teenage kids from the city now living in the sticks. And she doesn't know how to be a mom in that. So she spends most of the movie lamenting her life. Um, but then she comes around and is central to the plot in a, in a way. And she's also, she does sort of have a turnaround. Um, but I don't want to spoil that right now. I'm not going to talk about the cameos. Obviously, we all know that people from the original movie are in this. There are other cameos, I won't say. Right now, I don't know if you've read IMDb or not. Uh, it's up to you. I will, when I get to the spoiler section, I'm going to get into the heavy spoilers, because I'm going to rip this movie apart, piece by piece. I'm going to pick it apart. I call this a mini-episode, but I, I tend to do 90-minute to two-and-a-half-hour episodes, so this one will try to be under an hour, but it's not going to be a 30-minute episode. There's a lot to talk here, talk about here, and I haven't even gotten to the 15-minute mark, but I still have a long ways to go. So, um, let's go, let's just kind of go through the rest of the characters. The uh, Paul Rudd character is sort of the Louis Tully in this movie, but he's also sort of the Dana Barrett in this movie, which is kind of weird that he serves two roles, but he's also very, very, very Paul Rudd. This is where the movie feels like a Disney movie. It feels like an MCU movie. This is very, It's got MCU like written all over it. Um, those are the main characters. Like those are the characters we follow throughout the film. Like I said, the little girl she she steals the show. This is her movie. The boy is there to give the movie. Oh, it's a wink and a nod to the Stranger Things audience who was a, who was into who because they are Ghostbusters fans on that show and they dressed up like Ghostbusters for Halloween. That's that's what his his he is a wink and a nod to those fans to the Supernatural fans that are watching this movie who grew up. And I don't mean fans of the show Supernatural. I mean fans of the Supernatural as in anything Supernatural. Those people. That's what he's there for. I recognize the mom. And I know she's somebody famous, but I can't place her right now, and I apologize for that. And the little kid, uh, the so-called influencer or whatever, calling him an influencer, huh? he's what you would expect. He's comic relief, more or less, but he's also a vehicle for the, for the audience to get information because he's the one that fills in the girl on what's going on. Uh, let's talk about the special effects. You've already seen the shots from the trailer. You're not going to see anything in the main movie that's going to shock you too much, but there are a few scenes in this that I believe are more throwbacks to answer the call. I don't know if, the, if they're like, you know, ribbing it or if they're just like, haha. You know, this is our movie. Or if it's more like, yeah, your movie happened, and this is just sort of a, a, you know, a nudge to you, a nod to you, if you will. There are a couple of special effects moments in this movie that look more like Answer the Call than any other Ghostbusters movie. So I'm not going to say what they are, but there's definitely a moment that when I watched that, I was like, oh, yeah, that is absolutely a, th 
a, a nod to answer the call. And if you're sitting there like, girl, what the fuck is answer the call? That's the subtitle to the 2016 Ghostbusters movie, the all-girl one. That's what I call it, answer the call, to distinguish it from Ghostbusters 1, Ghostbusters 2, Ghostbusters 3, which is Ghostbusters the video game, and Ghostbusters Afterlife. That's where the different stories come from. That's the distinctions. Now, um, this movie does a wonderful job expanding the mythology. It definitely digs into the first movie. Going back to special effects, there's another special effect that is going to make you scratch your head or raise an eyebrow. I'm not going to go into that until I get to the until I get to the spoiler section, but there is one um, component to the effects that made me go, um, uh, uh, I don't, I don't like that. Uh, there's a lot of throwback references to the original movie. Uh, a lot of little notes, a little beats that make you go, oh yeah, this wants me to remember, this movie wants me to remember the original. Um, so there's a lot of that. I am not going to get, sum it up and give it a full stamp of approval or thumbs up, thumbs down, or full-on review until the end of the movie, until the end of this episode, uh, where I will give it my actual uh, rating on the five-star scale. I'll give it an actual rating, and I will say this is my, this is what I think of this movie. I'll get to that to the end. So I will mark the post-spoiler part where I can say, okay, after this, you're safe to go to the end if you want to hear the review, if you want to just hear the, the rating I give it and my summary. Uh, that'll be at the end of the episode. So please stick around for that. Skip forward as needed. I will timestamp when the spoilers begin, and uh, I will timestamp when the spoilers end and the, the, the wrap begins so that you can kind of feel safe knowing when to jump ahead. Uh, the music is the music from the original. You're not going to get any surprises there. It's the score. It's Ghostbusters. Somewhat modernized, just slightly enough to make you go, oh, yeah, okay, this is 2021. Um, there's a couple of moments in this movie that make me, that kind of remind me of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And that does sort of take me out of the movie, but it also reminds me that you can't go back to the past, and this movie definitely proves you can't just go back to the past because time marches on, and that's an absolute theme in this movie. Time marches on. I will definitely get to that when I get to the spoiler section, which is coming up pretty quick. So, um, it looks like a MCU movie. It looks like a Ghostbusters movie, so it's like if, if this movie looks, feels, sounds, and plays like if somebody handed Disney the Ghostbusters and said, go make us a Ghostbusters movie. That's what this movie feels like. And it, it does have its serious moments, and it does have its goofy moments, and it does have its scary moments, and it does have its, uh, you know, just what-the-fuck moments. But for the most part, this movie is by the books, by the numbers. All right, uh, as soon as we hit the 20-minute mark, I'm going to jump into the spoilers. So we are just a few seconds away. I will give you a, okay, we're in spoiler mode now, and that's when you can skip forward. 
Um, and from that point on, I'm going to give you the big reveal, and I'm going to talk about my feelings regarding that and everything else. So, three, two, one. 20 minutes in, we're now in spoiler territory, so there's no going back. Egon is in this movie. I said it. I don't like it. I don't hate it. I don't understand it. I don't dis... Um, I don't really feel like it was necessary, but I also don't feel like... I, I don't understand it, but I also accept it because it's in the movie. Egon comes back, not just as a cameo. He is in this movie. This Egon is all over this movie. He's not just referenced as a Ghostbuster. He's not just the grandfather to these kids. There is a CGI Harold Ramis in this movie. Walking around, Harold Ramising it up, Egon and Egon. Doing Egon. He's Egoning all over the place. That's a, that's a big deal. They definitely hinted that his fingerprints were going to be on this movie, but you do not go into this movie expecting to actually see a CGI Harold Ramis. Um, he does ghostbusting in this movie. He mentors the characters in this movie. He's in this movie. Egon is in this fucking movie. And I don't know how I feel about that. Because it's very jarring to see a CGI Harold Ramis walking around when we all know full good and well that man is dead. That is where this definitely feels like something Disney would do. This definitely feels like something, you know, modern Hollywood, you know, post-MCU where it's like, and eh, we just don't care anymore. It feels disrespectful to me, but it also feels like, okay, it is also sort of respectful to the original movie, but then there's like, there's just so many moments, like when Ray says, Egon Spangler could go to hell, and then the little girl tells him he's dead, because he does die in the movie. Egon dies in this movie, and that's where they try to get you in the gut, you know? They try to play that whole, oh my god, Egon's dead. Now, if you watch the trailers, you assume Egon's the um, the grandpa, and you assume that he's dead, because they talk about him like he left this, these, this house, blah, 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 blah. But you don't really expect him to... You, you, you watch Egon die in this movie. That is where I said this movie reminds you tar time marches on, with or without us. Uh, main reason why I go back to Ghostbusters 1984 all the time it's one of my top five favorite movies of all time, and it's one of the few movies I classify as a perfect five-star movie because it's a timestamp. It's a time warp. I can rewatch that movie at any time in today or tomorrow or in the past or in the future or whatever, and I'm always right back to where I was when I was a kid, watching that movie when I was a kid. It feels like it is a timestamp, time loop, a t uh, you know, it is... Locked in time. This movie opens the door, lets the time loop out, and then everything Ghostbusters marches forward. I don't particularly like that too much. Uh, the mom and the teacher are Dana Barrett and um, Lewis Tolley, respectively. So, yes, they will play Gatekeeper and um, Keymaster. And they actually do a lot more of this, you know, they they let you know, yeah, the opening the gate, unlocking the door is sex. They make that very clear in this movie. There's no innuendos about it. 
Um, I didn't particularly like that because it felt like it was disrespectful to the original movie. Not the fact that we know they had sex in the original movie. It is innuendo, and it's it's it, fine, but it's the way they do it. It, it feels more supernatural, and un, it felt more jarring. That's okay. I'm not going to brag on it too much, but it is what it is. Uh, Zool is in this movie. Gozer is in this movie. Ivor? Ivor? Shandor? Igor Shandor? I'm not remembering his, his name. The crazy architect that they talk about who designed the building that Dana Barrett lives in um, that is, you know, conducting all of this spiritual turbulence that is summoning Gozer in the 1984 movie. That guy that character he's in this movie and not just passing references he's physically in this movie and he's physically working with gozer that's weird to me that feels like they definitely didn't want to reference the second movie they didn't want to reference uh answer the call at all they just wanted to say look this is a this movie is a sequel to 1984 Ghostbusters. There's a passing reference to 1989's Ghostbusters 2 in that Ray. Obviously, it's in the trailer. He answers the phone. Ray's a cult. We're closed. Blah, blah, blah. Yes, Ray gets a phone call from the girl. She talks to him. He tells her Spangler can go to hell. She says he's dead. And he has regret for saying that. And then she tells him... Uh, what happened what's happening in her life in the town and then ray tells her how the why the world forgot about ghostbusters so he offers a plausible although far-fetched explanation for why people just forgot about ghostbusters and then we know this from covid and QAnon and everything else why the conspiracy theorists took over and all of a sudden people were like oh yeah it never happened big government cover-ups blah 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 so they actually do touch on that because it kind of when you watch the trailer you're like wait a second if this movie is supposed to take place in a world where a babylonian god or sumerian or whatever he's supposed to be it he she whatever drops in the middle of new york city there should be at least some sort of repercussions now we saw that already in ghostbusters 2 they already you know that was already like Oh, yeah, we saved the world, and then everyone treats us like, you know, we don't exist. Okay, so they were already sweeping it under the rug five years later, because Ghostbusters 2 takes place five years later. Um, okay, so that actually is plausible. It makes sense within the structure of the rules that they set up in the movie. Um, there are some really charming, heartwarming moments between Egon and Egon's ghost, and the little girl, his his granddaughter. Um, he plays a game of chess with her. He takes her to his uh, lab. He shows her, his ghost shows her how to repair the uh, proton pack. He helps her find, solve the mystery and find the, the cave where Gozer's hiding out. He helps her... At the end of the movie, spoilers, he helped her at the end of the movie catch Go Gozer. Uh, the three other Ghostbusters show up, and again, we get a 
very jarring, very badly written, very wink-wink, nudge-nudge uh, throwback to 1984 Ghostbusters where Ray Stance repeats his gozer on the behalf of blah, 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 I direct you to the nearest parallel dimension, blah, 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 blah. He repeats that speech, but he updates it with very over-the-top, very, um, you know... It's, it's, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to make a bad joke about it. It's just, I mean, he, I, I think at one point he even says like, you know, senior citizen center or something like that on the authority of the senior citizen center, blah, 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 blah. I mean, he just goes fucking nuts. And then, uh, Bill Murray's character, obviously, uh, Peter Bankman makes a joke. This is not Peter Bankman. This is Bill Murray showing up to get a paycheck and to piss on this movie and put it to bed. He was just like, all right, I'm done with it. Can we just shut the fuck up now? You could tell he was, we did it. Can we now shut the fuck up? You could tell that was his attitude. He had that, he had that I'm here, shut up look on his face. He did not want to be there. He didn't want this movie to be made. He wanted to answer the call. He didn't really, well, he didn't, he didn't want to answer the call, but he wanted that to be the end of it. That wasn't the end of it. And now he's just, he is done with this franchise. Ernie Hudson uh, comes back, obviously, as uh, Winston Zedmore. He has a very Winston moment. And then they bust Gozer. Now, what I do like about this movie is they bring Gozer back. Uh, they bring the Marshmallow Man back. We've seen that in the trailer. Um, they bring Zool back. You saw that in the trailer. They do, obviously, Echo 1 is back. They have a monster ghost critter, I'm going to say ghost, in this movie that is sort of reminiscent of Slimer, but isn't a Slimer. Um, it's very much a throwback to Slimer, but it's also not Slimer, but it's like, oh yeah, Slimer's in this movie, ha ha ha, not really. Which it's also kind of like, okay, we get it. We don't want to do the Slimer again because we already did the Slimer. Uh, the girl is the runaway star of the movie. She starts off this movie. She doesn't even want to go to school. She doesn't want to talk to people. And she tells the most amazing nerdy jokes. I love her jokes. But she tells them with such like legit deadpan delivery. She like just tells them like it's a joke. But to her, it's like it's just a scientific fact. But she's so, she steals the show. This is her movie. Which is great because she also gets the, 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 the pivotal moments in the movie. Which sort of gives the, the nerdy fanboys who are all pissing on answer the call. Ew, girlies, yeah, cuties. But also it gives girl empowerment in a much more palatable, I'll say, way for our fragile me male ego audience that is targeted that this, this, this movie is a target targeting so it is very much a girl power you go girl movie absolutely uh and i i respect that all the way the girl saves the day she's the well with with her dead grandpa's ghosts help and the three retired washed up has-beens who show up just to Wave at the, smile and wave at the camera. Ha ha, we're here, yay. Pay us, you bought a ticket. 
And that's exactly what that felt like. It felt like, ha ha, we got your money. There's nothing you can do now. That is what that felt like. So I didn't care for that. I really, really wish it had just been they passed on the baton and here we go. I would have liked it better if the original Ghostbusters hadn't showed up in this movie because they were all in Answer the Call and that just puts us in a weird position. That puts us in a weird like position where we have to ignore Answer the Call but also kind of sort of accept it because they make other references to it where it's like you have to go, oh, is it canon? Is it not canon? You have to just sort of scratch your head and go, uh, I don't know. That being said, this is definitely a good movie. This is definitely a fun movie. Now let's talk about a little bit about Paul Rudd. <coughs> I didn't talk about Paul Rudd yet. Paul Rudd is Paul Rudding it up. He's running around blowing shit up. He's running around wisecracking. He's running around rolling his eyes and being snarky and putting on a VHS copy of Cujo for his because he's a teacher in this movie, for his kids to watch, his fifth grade or sixth grade kids. Uh, he's supposedly some type of scientist. I think he's a... I think he's a geologist of some sort. I think. Seismologist, perhaps. I, I don't know the words, and I apologize. He's some kind of scientist that studies rocks or the earth or earthquakes. I can't remember. The little girl makes some quips that he understands because she's very smart she's very science centric he bonds with her he goes home falls in love i'm using air quotes falls for or crushes on the mom paul rudd and the mom have a fling that fling turns into haha remember when you thought gatekeeper and gatemaster boned well now they actually are gate Keeper and Keymaster Bone, haha, they actually did. There's no mention of Vince Clark, though, or Zool. Well, Zool, I think, is kind of mentioned, but I don't. there's no mention of Vince Clark, though. So that's sort of, uh, at least I don't remember it. If he wasn't mentioned, that's a missed opportunity. If he was, I missed it. Um, if I missed it, I apologize, but if he wasn't, that's a missed opportunity because there were so many other references. Uh, there is, there's plenty of references to the original movie. Let's talk about the boy. Let's talk about the boy. The boy doesn't need to be in this movie. He serves no purpose. He drives the car. He shows up at the end of the movie to drive the car. He's not really a Ghostbuster. He's not really a main character. He has like two scenes of significance. And the rest of the movie, he's just kind of there doing nothing but taking up space. He's not important to this movie at all. You could literally almost edit him entirely out of the movie and it doesn't change the movie at all. He is inconsequential to this movie. He's there to wink and nudge at the Netflix fans of, of the um, Stranger Things film. That's what he's there for. That's his purpose. He's there to help put butts in seats. That's it. That's his purpose in this movie. He kind of has a moment where he has a revelation, but not really. He's also... I want to say a conduit of comic relief. Uh, also, he kind of... Um, he, he's chasing the girl. The girl turns out she's the daughter of the police chief. She's ha-ha, blah, blah, blah. 
she's also playing with him. She's, like, teasing him, flirting with him, but then making fun of him, that kind of back and forth. And then it's 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 it doesn't make sense. It feels like this weird teenage romance summer vacation B plot, C plot thrown in the middle of this movie where it does not fit, it doesn't belong, and it's just like, oh yeah, we gotta get kids in this movie because in the 80s, kids watched Ghostbusters because in the 80s, kids watched everything because there was nothing else to watch. There was no Netflix and blah, 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 blah. Today, it's like, oh, yeah, we got to get kids in this in the, in the theaters because they're going to sit at home and just watch Netflix and wait for this to come to Netflix, which, you know, that's that's what this that's why he's in this movie, to get kids in the seats. That's it. The other character in the movie, his name is Podcast. <laughs> Here I am doing a podcast, talking about a character doing a podcast. He's comic relief, but like I said, he's also a conduit of information to the to the audience. He's the one that explains all the supernatural stuff that she doesn't believe in, but how it could be could have existed, but it's all conspiracy theories. And her throwaway is it happened before we were born. That's why she's just like, yeah, we just didn't know about it because it happened, before, you know, like aha, uh -huh, I'm a kid. I don't care about things that happened before. You know, she's not into history. She, I think she makes that known. She's into science. So, I don't know. Take that how you will. Make of it what you will. Whatever. Um, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't have a problem with the podcast character. He just definitely feels like a Disney Channel character stuck in this movie again to get kids in this I do not think the audience is going to relate with any of the female, any of, not the female, excuse me, eek, misspoke. I don't think the audience is going to relate to any of the children characters except for the girl. She's the only one that you're going to relate to. This is her movie. Like, literally, the camera follows her. This is her story. From the very first scene to the very last scene, she takes up the vast majority of the screen real estate. So she's the main character in this movie. Everybody else is just sort of living in her world. I absolutely love that. I don't have a problem with that. I love it. I'm, I'm like, yay, girl. Woo! I'm all for that. Because she absolutely steals the show. Uh, the plot, um, we're already into spoiler territory. So basically, Egon was afraid that Ivor, Ivor Shandor was way far further gone than they were afraid, even though he's not referenced at all in Ghostbusters 2. He's now all of a sudden important again, because apparently he's got a mine in the middle of nowhere. I think Oklahoma, but I don't remember. And he's basically trying to dig Gozer up out of hell somehow and bring Gozer back that way. And yes, he's actually like physically there. And he's like not just a Gozer worshiper. He actually like uh, he helps bring. Yes, he helps as in in the movie bring Gozer back to life, back to the to Earth. And then he has a one-on-one a, a -on -one kind of Gozer, you're my god, I'm here for you, blah, blah, blah moment. Gozer inconsequentially 
just dismisses him and just, you know, tosses him aside like, eh, you're nothing to me. Gozer is obviously, I believe, I, I'm, I don't know, but I think Gozer is played by a different person. Um, but I can't, I can't say that definitively. Gozer looks different in this movie, not just because it's probably a different actress. And if it's the same actress, she's, like, you know, incredibly old compared to, I mean, her original appearance. So make that what you will. Gozer looks really different. They modernized Gozer for this movie. I don't have a problem with that, but Gozer definitely comes across as overpowered compared to what we saw in the original movie, but also underpowered compared to what we saw in the original movie. So basically, Egon sets up um, a bunch of traps around the town and in the mountains to keep Gozer trapped so that Gozer can't get out and then the kids open up the trap that lets the ghost out and they go chasing the ghost throughout the rest of the movie they try to catch the ghost and then i don't remember the moment where i think it was paul rudd's character actually that sabotaged egon's trap because he was possessed by i'm gonna i'm gonna assume well he was possessed by the, the key master so I'm going to assume that was Vince Clarkville. He was possessed by one of the demon dogs, terror dogs, whatever they're called. They actually do show the book, and they kind of go through and explain the mythology where all of this comes from. So that's pretty cool. I like that. Uh, and they do a lot. They do make references to the history of the town and the building and the cult and everything. So they do a good job there. Then you get to... Um, why you, you get to the why the Ghostbusters faded from importance. They beat Gozer. Gozer was the reason why ghosts were coming to New York. With Gozer gone, there weren't there wasn't a conduit of supernatural, there wasn't a magnet drawing in the supernatural forces, so they just sort of stopped appearing. Ghosts just sort of stopped haunting and then people just sort of assumed it was all a hoax because it you know, there weren't, there's no ghost sightings today. There were only ghost sightings when those people were celebrities. So, yeah, they must have been, you know, they must have been, you know, charlatans or whatever you want to call them. Okay, there you go. That's the main plot of the movie. At the end of the movie, the kids working with the new Ghostbusters and, I roll my eyes at this, Egon's Ghost, they, using their proton packs and a bunch of ghost traps built into the ground, break Gozer into pieces and trap Gozer in the ghost traps. Okay. I have a couple of problems with that. Because they actually do the whole cross the streams bit, but then they like, you know, they don't. They do and they don't. It's kind of weird. Uh, but it's like, yeah, they definitely, like we saw in the original Ghostbusters movie, 1984, those proton packs had they were like gnats to Gozer. Gozer was just like, eh. Didn't even, didn't even acknowledge their existence. And then summoned this 100-foot marshmallow man and goes around chomping all over the city. So that, in a way, diminishes Gozer's power. You know, here's, the, here's this threat from the original movie. Oh, no, it's the end of the world. Ah, it's not. It's just another ghost. Let's just catch it like we do all the other ghosts. You know? Zap it with the beam, 
push, tap our feet on the button, open the trap, catch the ghost in the trap, clap your hands. Yay, we did it. The problem I have with that is Gozer's not a ghost. Gozer's a god. Now, all, yes, they have that. Gozer, that, they have that. They repeat that. Ray stands. On behalf of blah, 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 and, you know, the senior citizens of Florida, blah, blah, blah. I hereby order you to go back to where the hell you came from. And Gozer looks at him and says, Are you a god? In the exact same, you know, with the exact same derision she did in the original movie. And, of course, everybody looks at Ray, and Ray goes, Why, yes, I am a god. And then, he, uh, uh, what's his name? Winston says, Bitch, we're all gods. I don't think he says bitch, but I think he had that, like, he had that tone in his voice, like, we're all gods. Somebody may have called her a bitch. I know they do in the original movie. I don't remember if they did or not. I'm just throwing a bitch in there because that was his attitude. He just like, bitch, we're all gods, you know? And then they catch Gozer just like they catch Slimer or any other ghost. That part's a bit of a stretch for me. They kind of explain it. Okay, they do explain it. It's not just a typical trap. And, okay, it takes a lot more power and some other stuff. And Gozer's weakened because she just came back. Uh, she doesn't have all the souls that she had before. Blah, blah, blah. All right. Uh, nah. I'm just going to call bullshit. That's, that's just sort of bullshit. It was like they just decided at the end of the movie, look, we, we're we not going to do another 100-foot marshmallow man in the middle of Oklahoma. No one's going to... We're not. We, they, they talked about this, the, the tornado of evil. That never happened. They, they, they make all these references to things that don't come to fruition. What you get is Gozer walking around all, I'm Gozer, worship me, die. And then they're all like, bitch, Tap the, you know, step on the trap, shoot her with the beam, put her in the box. Who are you going to call? Everybody claps. We all go home. I don't like that. That's a shit ending. It's like, what the fuck did you just do? That's a shit ending to a pretty good, otherwise pretty good movie. They could have tried a little harder. You could tell they ran out of gas. They were like, look, we can't do the door swings both ways again because that, we all know that was a reference to, you know, LGBT people in the closet, coming out of the closet. We know that there were references to they had sex. Did they have sex? We know Ray gets a blowjob from a ghost in the original movie. We know there's a lot of innuendos in that original movie. Um, this movie definitely has innuendos, but it also has, well, we did that in the first movie. We can't do it again. But also, well, we did that in the second movie. We can't do that again, so let's just repeat the thing we did in the first movie. And it definitely does a lot of, we can't do that again because it's from the first movie, but we have to do that because it was in the first movie. And that's a weird tightrope to walk, and I don't like that aspect of it. This movie could have stood better on its own. That's not to say it's a bad movie. I love it. And I'm going to watch it again, and I'm going to put it in my canon. This movie belongs in the Ghostbusters canon. Right there with the uh, the first two and Answer the Call, as far as I'm concerned. They're all four Ghostbusters movies. They're all fantastic movies. Let's talk about Answer the Call real quick. This movie is a middle finger to those four women, Paul Feig, and everybody that had a, had a hand in that movie. This movie is a ha-ha, we won, beat your chest, we boys rule, girls drool, blah, blah, we won. 
That's what this movie is. It absolutely is, and if you don't believe that and you don't see it, I don't know how to help you. You have some blind spot, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to fix that for you. We're out of spoiler area now, so if you want to skip ahead, if you're back at the beginning of the of the podcast, skip ahead to the 58 minute, 48, excuse me, 48 minute mark. Spoiler free. This is the end of the movie. What did I think? I really liked it. It definitely has a lot of fan service, some good, some bad. It has a uh, pretty good plot that lead, builds up to a really good um, uh, climax, but then sort of falls apart right at the very, very end because of the deus ex machina that makes you go, ah, you could have done better. There is a deus ex machina in this. There are some really out-of-place cameos in this movie that make you go, ah, and also, ah. There's some of those. There's some out-of-place cameos in this movie. There are some cameos that make you go, uh-huh, just what I expected. The movie draws way too heavily on Ghostbusters 1. It goes out of its way to pretend like Answer the Call never happened while also making a couple of links towards Answer the Call. Um especially in terms of the, 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 the underground stuff, that definitely the ghosts in the underground look like, they look way more like the ghosts we would saw in Answer the Call, less like the ghosts from 1984 and Ghostbusters 2, 1989. This movie, aside from one throwaway quote, pretty much pretends like Ghostbusters 2 never happened. It definitely has great characters, but it also has a couple of characters that make you go, well, they did nothing in this movie. They were just there. The action is great. The special effects are great. The horror is great. The scares are great. The music is great. This is a Ghostbusters movie. This is a Ghostbusters movie. Um, overall, I think this movie is very well done. It is not as good as the original. The original is a five star. It's a perfect movie. It is one of the few perfect movies in existence. Ghostbusters 2 is pretty close to perfect, but not quite. I think I gave Ghostbusters 2 a four uh, out of four out of five. Answer the call. I give that a four out of five as well. Four four out of five. That's a fun movie. Uh, perfectly good movie, not as good as the original. It has some moments. This movie, here we are. What do I think of Ghostbusters Afterlife? Where does it fit in the canon, and is it worth your time? This is a good movie. I give it my stamp of approval. Absolutely. I'm going to put it right... Ah! I'm going to put it right there with Ghostbusters 2 and answer the call. This is a four-star movie. It could have been a four and a half star movie. It could have been four and a quarter star. It could have been just a little bit better. A couple of things that drag it down. Uh, go back to the spoiler section and the, the, the big spoiler, the big, big, big spoiler. That drags it down a little bit. Uh, a lot, actually. Uh, the, the constant tightrope this movie walks between... We have to do what the original did, but we also can't do what the original did. Balancing Act is very jarring. It feels like, yay, Ghostbusters 1994, but also, 
not Ghostbusters 1984. Because this movie is trying to stand on its own, but it's not. It doesn't do a good job standing on its own. You cannot go in blind, watch this movie, and not and, and, and then know what's going on. If you did not watch Ghostbusters 1984, this movie probably won't be a good movie to you. You'll probably watch it and go, okay, well, maybe it is still a good movie. I can't really say that, but you'll watch it and go, okay, interesting. In that respect, I think this movie works better at potentially bringing in new audiences, and this may revive the franchise. We might get a sequel to this movie. We might not. We might get a cartoon. I don't know what we're going to get. I don't know if this movie is a success or not. That being said, this movie is Ghostbusters. This is the Ghostbusters you wanted to see when you went into the theater in 2016. If you had the balls to go in to answer the call in 2016, if your ego was too fragile because you're too much dude bro and you couldn't watch Answer the Call, this movie's still a better Ghostbusters movie than Answer the Call. But only, only a little bit. I still think Answer the Call is a four-star movie. I still think this is a four-star movie. I loved every second of Answer the Call. I loved every second of the 2016 Ghostbusters movie. I thought it was funny. It was hilarious. It was smart. It had the right mix of comedy. It had, it had scares. It had special effects. It had everything I wanted in a Ghostbusters movie. And the cameos made sense in that movie. The big spoiler cameo that I can't say here, but you can go back to the spoiler section, doesn't make sense in this movie, but it is what it is. That's the biggest difference. Um, four stars. I officially give it four stars. This is a four out of five star movie. Pretty damn good. You're going to watch it again. You're going to watch it over and over. This is definitely going in the rotation. Um... I think it's just as good as Ghostbusters 2. It's just as good as Ghostbusters Answer the Call. It's not as good as Ghostbusters, the original 1984. It is what it is. I'm not going to say it's better than Answer the Call because it's not. It's different. It does the same thing that movie does, but it does it in a different way. I like the female lead, the little girl, the young girl in this movie. I like her. I like, I like the mo the modern um, reimagining of the ghosts and the mythos, the expanding of the mythology. I like the special effects. I like the music. I like how we get to really dig deep into this, uh, into the, you know, the psyche of the Ghostbusters characters and like what happened from 1989 to today. We get to really explore how you could have this supernatural world exist in today's modern world and still be all like, oh yeah, that maybe that happened, maybe it didn't happen, we don't know. They did a really good job of that. They did a really good job of that. There's a lot of really cute moments in this movie. There's a lot of cringy roll-your-eyes moments in this movie. But overall, it's a good movie. I enjoyed it. You'll probably enjoy it. Thumbs up. Gets my stamp of approval. Four-star movie. You're going to like this if you liked the original. If you like any of the other Ghostbusters movies, you're probably going to like this one. Um, if you're one of those purists 
that hates Ghostbusters 2 and you hate Answer the Call and you hate the real Ghostbusters cartoon and you hate the toys and you hate the comics and everything that came after 1984, you might still like this movie. You might hate this movie. I can't say that because I'm a Ghostbusters fan through and through. I like almost everything they do. I don't like the real Ghostbusters, but that's another story for another day. I don't hate it, but it's not my favorite. It doesn't light me on fire like this movie did. I couldn't wait to see this movie. I had to see it opening night. I actually went and saw it on Wednesday, which was pre, um, pre-opening. pre It was a pre-screen, I guess you would call it. Whatever they call it. It's like, okay, whatever. Uh, that's it. That's the show. Thanks for watching. Or, excuse me, thanks for listening. Please check out my podcast. That's Stephanie Bree. Go to my website, stephaniebree.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at stephaniebree22. I also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash stephaniebree. I have some cool perks over there. I'm about to restructure the perks a little bit because I'm making some changes. Uh, but for the time being, if you want to go there and give me some money to support me, if you like my content and you want to keep this show alive, please and thank you. Thank you to my followers, my listeners, and to my supporters. Thank you to my amazingly wonderful girlfriend who helps make this show possible by being there and being supportive to me. Thank you to my friends who support me behind the scenes, who have helped me out. And as always, thank you to all the trans women that are out there living their lives and doing their things. Because this is a transgender podcast. I am a transgender woman. But me being trans is just a part of who I am. It is not necessarily a big part of this show other than I'm trans. And I'm going to talk about trans issues on most episodes, which when I do the full, full episode of this, yes, I do have a hot topic. You know I'm going to go there. I'm going there. (laughs) All right. That being said, here we go. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this and stay cool.